Welcome to Daily Grace. We believe that the Bible is true, trustworthy, and timeless. And we want to help women like you know and love God's Word. The Bible shows us who God is, and who He is changes everything. My name is Joanna. And I'm Stephanie. Come join us as we chat about the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives. Today we are talking about something that is important for the life of any believer, the local church. We go to God's Word to see the purpose He had for the local church, and simply put, it's for Him and His glory. But what does that look like, and what exactly constitutes a local church? Where does discipleship and evangelism fit in? What's the deal with church membership? We talk all things local church, and our prayer is that you will catch a glimpse of the tremendous blessing that is the local church. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Daily Grace. This is Joanna, and I'm here with Stephanie. Hello, hello. So we're really excited for today's topic. This is one that we are both pretty passionate about, Mm -hmm. I would say. (laughs) And if you have listened to any of our previous episodes, we have said on multiple occasions how the local church is just so important in the life of the believer. And today we get to talk about it, and we get to talk about why that's actually true. But before we do, time for favorite things. Stephanie, what do you have? So my favorite thing this week is just being home. This past weekend, we went to Savannah. Mm. Have you been? Oh, yeah. A few times. Yeah. We went to Tybee Island, which was really awesome um, for the beach Mm. and everything. And for our listeners, um, Savannah is just in Georgia. It's a beautiful little beach town. And anyways, Mm -hmm. we went as a family for um, like a marriage retreat that my husband was leading. And I say my favorite thing was like coming back home because I don't know about you, but traveling and sleeping in hotels with babies is just exhausting. Oh, it's awful. (laughs) It's the worst. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I got sick from it. So I'm glad to be home and back in our environment. She has her crib and her room and her sound machine and I can actually sleep. So that is my favorite thing. (laughs) Love it. Well, I would say for me, this week has been a really sweet week with my daughter. She will be two in a couple of weeks here. And she is at this really fun age where she is learning all these new words all the time. And her sentences are just developing more and more, which also brings with it a lot of wanting to be independent. Mm -hmm. She's pretty strong-willed. So there have been a lot of emotions around all of that. But this week has also been really sweet because one other thing that she's been developing as she's developing more words is just expressing to me that she likes to be around me. And it's really sweet. Like today, she, I was about to stand up and she asked me in her little two-year-old way not to leave and to sit with her. And she gave me a little hug and rubbed my face. And so it's just sweet to see she's getting spunkier, but she's also getting sweeter by the day. Oh, yeah. Two is actually a really fun age. At least for us, we would say it was the Mm -hmm. terrific twos and like not terrible threes, but more challenging. <laughs> three-nagers. But, I've heard about three-nagers. Yeah, three-nagers. That's a better way to put it. 
Well, like we said, we are going to be talking about the local church today. And this is something personally that's really near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say right off the bat, I know that that might not be the case for a lot of people listening. I know that a lot of people have had really painful experiences with church. And we want you to know, first of all, that we see you. And we understand, and we hope that over the course of this conversation, that you will be able to catch a vision of what God has designed for the local church, um, and that you will kind of have a new hope and a new joy in that. Mm, Um, And, you know, it really has been in recent years that I have developed this sweet affection for the local church. And I think that the reason for that is because a lot of my life, I would be in a church, but not really involved in the church. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I would attend church, but I wouldn't really participate, if that makes sense. And um, I would say that it was when we moved houses um, that we ended up moving churches a few years ago that we became involved in our current local church and just really saw this new vision of what church can look like Mm, um, in the way that God has designed it for us to be growing together as um, God's people. And so it's really been instrumental over the past few years in my spiritual growth, um, even in just every part of life to have my church involved in my life instead of just kind of one little part. So we kind of want to start out by saying, what is the local church? We want to make sure that we're on the same page here when we talk about the local church. And I think that one tendency that we have is to hear the word church and think of a building. Yeah. Right? There's the Baptist church over there and the Methodist church over there and the first Presbyterian church over there and the second one down the street. And (laughs) and so we kind of think of it as like, oh, yeah, a building. That's what a church is. And I think that we really want to challenge that idea that that's all the local church is. Yeah. And, you know, a local church might take place in a building, but the building itself isn't the church. Um, Right. So we kind of need to understand what we mean when we say church. And we can talk about it in two broad ways. One is what we call the universal church. That's like the big C church, right? Capital C church. If Mm -hmm. we say the church in that way, we're talking about all believers across the entire world that make up the church. Right. It's basically God's people, right? Those who are saved. That is the church. But then we also see local churches, and that is these local expressions of that larger universal church. And this is a place where believers come together um, in community And, you know, there are some important elements of a local church we need to understand to kind of distinguish a church from maybe a ministry or a Bible study, for example. So, you know, in a church, there are believers who regularly gather and meet together, and that gathering is around the teaching of God's word. It's around worshiping God for his glory. Um... It involves some sort of regular practice of the Lord's Supper and has some sort of structure of leadership and authority. And I think it's important for us to understand that these are kind of some of the major elements of a local church because this shows us 
that a lot of these other things that we might kind of use as a replacement for church in our lives aren't church, Mm -hmm. right? That doesn't include you gathering a group of people in your home for a Bible study, right? There, it lacks things like the Lord's Supper. It lacks an authority structure. Um, That doesn't include campus ministries or what we call parachurch ministries that come alongside the church to um, help in ministry. Things like, like we said, campus ministry, Christian organizations, the Daily Grace Co. could be considered one. And so those things are different from churches. They are not churches. Yeah, it's so true that we really need to clearly define what we mean when we say the local church, because there really are nuances, right? Absolutely. And sometimes we can just decide that we don't need the church, the local church, because we have these other things. Right. And that's what we kind of want to challenge today and ask ourselves, like, why do we even need to be part of a local church if we have all this other stuff why do christians gather together in local congregations on a regular basis what's the purpose of the church yeah so i'm really excited about this conversation because i think it's really important for us to be really clear on um, what god says the purpose of the local church is and Mm -hmm. you know you kind of hinted at this earlier but i feel like i've experienced a whole wide variety of churches in my 30-something years of life. And unfortunately, mm. there were a lot of unpleasant, hurtful experiences. So yeah. like you said, if that has been your experience, you're not alone. And we can still come together, whatever our past experiences with churches have been, and we can still go to the Word of God to see what the purpose of the local church is as He intended. And to put it really simply, the local church exists for God and for his glory. And you may think right now, wow, that is incredibly broad. What does that even mean? (laughs) And so fear not, we are going to flesh it out for you. And the way we're going to go about that is looking at the purpose of the local church from three perspectives. So looking up, looking in, and looking out. And of course, having the word of God inform all of these perspectives. Yeah. So first of all, we want to look at the purpose of the local church, why it matters looking up. And like you said, Stephanie, it's important that we have glorifying God as the focus, the center point of the meaning of the local church. It's about worshiping God. And I think that we have a tendency to be self-focused in the way that we view church. Yeah. And, you know, I think the way that we do this is by looking for a church that's going to meet my personal needs, my personal preferences as we're deciding what church to go to. Or we even say, oh, I don't really love the way that any of these churches are doing this, so I'm just not going to go. It's not mm-hmm. benefiting me, right? It's not It's not filling me up. It's not feeding me, so I'm not going to become a part of it. And we have to realize that church isn't all about us. It is about worshiping God. And this doesn't mean that all we do is sing songs, right? It doesn't mean that we should never be personally encouraged or refreshed in the church. And this doesn't mean that we don't focus on loving and serving those around us. But all of those things are part of our worship of God. So will a church help us and build us up? Yes, 
Will a church focus on serving others? Yes, but the primary goal is glorifying God. Mm -hmm. I think that that's important to keep at the center. So as we gather together in church, we do it to the glory of God. We come to his word to his glory. We grow in our own maturity to his glory. We serve others to his glory. As we talk about how our church should be directed upward, um, this part of the conversation is not going to be exhaustive, right? So we can think of this category of the church looking upward as one large category that covers the rest of the categories. Right. Right? The other ones fit into it. So even as the church looks out and in, it looks up. It looks up to God. Right. And we might talk about one element of the local church in this conversation and then come back and revisit it as we look at it from different angles. So that's just a little bit of a disclaimer right up front. Right. And I think when we realize the purpose of the local church as God intended, that challenges the whole notion of church hopping and church shopping, Mm -hmm. kind of like you were talking about. Right. And yeah, I think thinking back to our episode on worship, we talked at length about how worship can be expressed through singing, but it can also be expressed through our serving, our thoughts, our words, our attitudes, our spiritual disciplines, and so much more. And that's kind of the same within the local church, right? The church worships God in a variety of ways. Um, But I'm going to start with the most obvious, which is corporate worship. We have talked here and there about how corporate worship can stir our affections for him. And, you know, the reason that it can do that is because it's a foretaste of heavenly worship Mm. that we can look forward to with all of God's people, the church, right? The universal church. And corporate worship is an integral part of the life of a local church. And it shows really clearly like why you can't really church alone. Yeah. And you know, with that idea of corporate worship, specifically when we're talking about singing, right? About singing songs together. Mm -hmm. We are joining together as one body to declare the truth about who God is. Right. And, you know, we are speaking of corporate worship here in the sense of music, but really all of a church service is corporate worship, right? right? Worshiping God together. And so we worship through more than just singing. And one way that we can actually do that, and that is really another important reason for us to be involved in a local church and not just, you know, watch a sermon Mm -hmm. on our laptops or something like that, is through liturgy. And when you hear that word, I don't know what your reaction is, (laughs) depending on what background you come from, maybe Mm -hmm. what denominations you're familiar with, you might not love that word, liturgy. (laughs) Um, But I think it's important to realize that all churches have some kind of liturgy. Right. We're talking about liturgy. We're talking about a pattern, a rhythm of worship. There's going to be a liturgy involved there. And this is actually, I think, a really good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Some churches have it more structured than others. This kind of liturgy, really it's intentionally turning to God's word Mm -hmm. at specific times in the service. This really can help us to direct our gaze toward God and focus our hearts on him and enhance our corporate worship in that way. And that's something that you can't, you really can't experience if you are not part of a local body of Christ, of a local church congregation. Yeah. So I don't think we need to cringe at the word liturgy. There's beauty in liturgy. Yeah. But I mean, it does remind us that our God is a God of order. 
right? Right. So mm-hmm. it's good for our um, congregations to have order. <laughs> we yeah. don't want our worship services to be disorderly. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think that's so true. And, you know, that talk about going to God's word to kind of direct our hearts and direct our worship mm-hmm. also brings us to a really super important reason for being a part of a local church. And that is the preaching of God's word. The Bible is a book about God and God's character is revealed in it. And as we see his character in his word, we glorify him, right? right? God's character is put on display. And so the preaching of God's word in this sense is actually directed upward as he is revealed, as he is worshiped. You know, as we see God preached in his word, we get to come and behold the Lord. Mm-hmm. We get to grow in our awe and grow in our love for him, grow in our knowledge of him. And all of those things transform our hearts so that they become hearts that worship God and lives that worship God. Yeah, I love that. Seeing even the teaching and preaching of God's word as a time to um, help us, the congregation, to fix our eyes on Christ Mm -hmm. and to be in awe of him and to worship him. So it helps us see that even those portions of the worship service are acts of worship. Yeah, exactly. And that's just a reminder, like we said in our Worship of All of Life episode, we don't need to limit worship to just singing songs. Yeah. Right. There's it's there's so much more to it. And, you know, one incredible way that I think that we get to behold what God has done and worship him for his faithfulness is as we practice the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Um, And, you know, this is something that Jesus instituted. Um, He told us to practice this. The night before he was to be crucified, he was in the upper room. This is the Last Supper. And Mm -hmm. he was with his disciples and they were celebrating the Passover. And this is the celebration of how back in Exodus, how God delivered the Israelites from death because of the blood of the Passover lamb and delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And Jesus then almost transforms their practice of this Passover and shows how he is the true Passover lamb. So then this Lord's Supper that we take it ends up pointing back to God's faithfulness to deliver his people out of Egypt, Mm -hmm. but also forward to Christ's crucifixion, his own death as the pure and spotless Passover lamb that delivered us from death and delivered us from our slavery to sin. Mm -hmm. And so we see this happen in Matthew 26, verses 26 through 28. And it says, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so when we gather and at some kind of regular interval, take the Lord's Supper, we are remembering God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness to his people back in Israel, Mm -hmm. God's faithfulness to his people through the work of Christ on the cross, and God's faithfulness to us in every moment. And we worship him for what he's done. Right. And wouldn't you say that it's also an opportunity for us to look forward to our glorification? 
yeah, thinking absolutely. about the marriage feast. Um, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. And another way that, you know, the local church can, you know, glorify God and worship him is through prayer. And, mm. you know, prayer and worship are really inseparable. You know, it's important for us personally because it draws us near to God. So it makes sense that prayer would be a really important um, aspect corporately um, as well. And, you know, I think we see corporate prayer clearly in many of the Psalms when David, um, you know, uses like the collective pronoun we. Um, Mm. And it's also seen a lot of times throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. So corporate prayer is just another way to have the whole church look upward and to glorify God um, by exalting Christ um, in that way. Yeah, I mean, I think we see, like you said, all throughout the New Testament, like in the book of Acts, we see accounts of the disciples gathering together after the ascension of Christ mm-hmm. and praying together. Um, and so we see this this important element that we are called not to just pray alone, but to pray corporately as well. So the local church can bring glory to God, right, when it has a correct theology of worship And that should inform the whole service on Sunday and really throughout the week as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And that results from there being a high view of God and of his word. Um, Because, you know, truly every aspect of a church service is a means to worship God. And in our worship, God is speaking to us and he transforms us by his word. And, you know, I came across this quote from an article that I was reading today, Mm -hmm. and it really just struck me because it was talking about how we sometimes view the Sunday worship service as kind of a nuisance. (laughs) Maybe it's something we want to like hurry up and get out of, or man, I'd really rather be taking a nap or eating lunch or planning for the week ahead. Mm -hmm. And he talked about this tendency in our lives. And this quote from this article was really convicting. And it says, how does the awe-inspiring weekly gathering of God's chosen people devolve into a stoplight, an inconvenient intrusion in the flow of our lives? Often, it's because we've started worshiping something else the rest of the week. Mm. And that was just so convicting because it's true that if we are truly living lives of worship, then the gathering of God's people to worship him together is not going to be an inconvenience. It's going to be the culmination of our week, Mm. this time when we can come together and glorify him in one voice. And that would be something to look forward to. That would be something to rejoice in. It wouldn't be an interruption of our regularly scheduled programming if our regularly scheduled programming is more worship. This would be like the season finale of the week. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. But it's true. Like gathering together on a Sunday is pretty countercultural. So I really like that. We'll have to link that article to our show notes. So moving on, another way to look at the purpose that God has given for the local church is to look in. And what we mean by that is to see how the church exists to build up the body of believers. Mm -hmm. So that's what we mean by looking in. 
And we know that some people may argue that this is the church's ultimate purpose, that the local church exists for discipleship and the building up of believers. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to (laughs) lie. This would probably have been my answer if you asked me kind of on a whim. Yeah. And it's not that it's a wrong answer. It's just that it's an incomplete answer. Mm. Because like we said, the church exists for God and for his glory. Um, and so that should be the the ultimate aim, right? And mm-hmm. if we say that discipleship is the ultimate purpose, um, that is actually saying that the perceived needs of even believers is what drives the church. And mm. so that's why we're saying it's an incomplete answer. And instead, we're saying the glory of God is of utmost concern. And, and that just goes beyond discipleship. Right. And, you know, Stephanie, you mentioned the body as a way of describing the church, right? The body of believers. And this really is a specific way that scripture talks about the church. Um, And I think it's important for us to kind of get an understanding of what that means. Mm -hmm. Because I think we use that term a lot, right? Yeah. The body of believers, the body of Christ. And maybe don't really stop to think about what that actually is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what we have to understand is One, scripture talks about us in this way. And the reason that this is possible is because as believers, we are united to Christ. And if all believers are united to Christ, that means that we are also united to one another. Right. And so we are called to grow together, to live together, not in the sense of we all live in one giant commune, but (laughs) in the sense that, that we are sharing our lives with one another, yeah. right? We, we're we sharing our joys and our burdens and we're doing life together to use a like Christianese <laughs> catchphrase. But you know, we see this picture of the church as a body. And one of my favorite places, there are so many places that talk about it, mm-hmm. but one great place to look is Ephesians chapter four in verses 11 through 16. I wanna read these verses for us. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Mm, And man, this passage is so important because, yes, there's a sense in which we are called to individual sanctification. But we are also called to sanctification as one body. And this passage makes it very clear, like, hey, if the parts aren't functioning properly together, the body doesn't function properly. Right. And, you know, it reminds me, like Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is this importance of this personal growth this personal sanctification, but that is never enough. We are called to be part of this body of Christ. And this is lived out in local expressions of the universal church. 
And this is the way that God has designed it to be lived out in the context of the local church. Yeah, I love that. And you know, in 1 Corinthians 12, I think it's verse 7, it says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so Mm -hmm. it's just this idea that we have different gifts for the common good. And that's the body of believers. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think about what you said in a previous episode, Joanna, about how sometimes we can kind of have this envious spirit toward other believers in our local church because they have giftings that we don't have. But, you know, we have to remember that God designed the church to be this way. We are designed to be missing things, not not to be everything because we are designed to need each other. And it's actually a beautiful thing. And I finished listening to a journey woman episode today on spiritual gifts. I highly recommend it. I'm going to link it in our show notes, but Matt Lance was on there and he was saying, yes, we are each uniquely wired and entrusted these specific gifts. They're given to us. So they're gifts in that sense, but it's also a gift in the sense that we're supposed to give it to others for Hmm. their edification and benefit. And I just loved Mm. that. And yeah, just to know that spiritual gifts or, you know, in that verse, it says the manifestation of the spirit. It's saying it's to produce unity within the body. That is Mm -hmm. the greater purpose. Yeah, I think we've talked about before, like, hey, we have different gifts. And that means that we need each other. We can't just think that we can go on and make it by ourselves. But we are supposed to be coming together because we Mm -hmm. all have different functions. We all have different giftings, different purposes within the body of Christ. And if you're missing a member, you're missing a body part and it's just not going to work as well. If the members of the body aren't functioning well, the body doesn't function at its full capacity. And this leads to an unhealthy church. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I've said this before and I'll say it again. If we say that we do not need the church, We are shortchanging ourselves because we are missing out on the rest of the body of Christ and the giftings that they offer. Mm -hmm. We're also shortchanging the body of Christ. Right. Because we are withholding the gifts that God has given us for the purpose of serving the members of the body of Christ. Yeah. And so this is one of those things we kind of think like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. It's, It's if it's hurting anybody, it's hurting me. That's not true. Yeah. It is hurting you, but it's also hurting those brothers and sisters in Christ who are missing out on the gifting that God has called you mm-hmm. to use in their lives for their benefit and their edification. Ooh. And yeah. So, yeah, I know. I got a little passionate here. <laughs> <laughs> Preach. <laughs> But, I mean, we can see it happen. We can see it happen when the body is not functioning properly. Mm-hmm. All these issues that come up. I mean, I can think specifically, you know, I go to a small church. And up until recently, we had one full-time paid employee. And that was our pastor. <laughs> and oh, wow. so the church depends on the members of the body of Christ to serve and to offer up their giftings. And when that is not happening, this leads to major burnout for those people who are in leadership positions, right? Because they have to take it all on. They have to take on what they were not intended to do. No matter if it's a big church or a small church, no matter how many people or programs are in place to make things function smoothly, that doesn't matter. We are all called to serve with our own giftings. 
That's a good point. Just that the size of the church doesn't change the purpose of the church or right. the design of the church. Exactly. And it's a lot easier to to kind of not see the need to serve if you're in a bigger church environment. But that should just push us to seek out ways to serve. Right. You know, even if we're not being asked to serve, we should seek them out because that's God's design. Mm, yeah. And I, I believe that to be an active part of a local church means to serve in a local church. I agree. Um, And you know, when we don't do that, we also miss opportunities. Here's like a kind of a personal level. You miss opportunities for relationships that might develop. Yeah. You know, when you serve with people, you develop a relationship in a way that you wouldn't have otherwise. I agree. There is something about joining hands with people around you to advance the cause of Christ, to love and build up the members of the body that creates this bond and this this relationship that's really sweet. And For sure. you miss out on that if you aren't using your giftings how God's calling you to. And one other thing that I think happens when we aren't serving and using our gifts is we got lots of uncommitted people. Mm. You know, when you serve you commit. It reminds me, I think, Stephanie, in one of like our first episodes, you said something along the lines of, if you want people to show up, ask them to bring cookies, (laughs) right? Like ask them to do something, to serve. Because when you are serving, then that means you're going to be committed. And when you have members of the body of Christ who are committed to being there, to showing up and to serving each other, that's going to be a healthy church. Right. And commitment's not a negative thing. Right. I feel like Mm -hmm. sometimes we can see it that way. Like, oh my goodness, it's just one more thing to my plate. But there's joy in that commitment. And like you said, serving alongside others deepens your relationship and magnifies your enjoyment of God. Absolutely. I totally agree. And you know, maybe someone out there listening may think, hey, you're talking about spiritual gifts and I, I can see how the church is a body, but what if I don't know my gift? What if I don't know where Mm -hmm. I fit in? And, you know, here's the thing, like you don't need to know every single detail or the ins and outs of your particular gifting before you commit Mm. and serve. Yeah. And, you know, I know I am often tempted to hold back (laughs) um, because I want to make sure that I'm equipped to do whatever task is at hand, like because Mm -hmm. I have this fear of um, making a fool of myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what the truth of it is, is it's just (laughs) self-centeredness and... (laughs) This this fear of being incompetent is just being afraid of what people are going to think of me rather than making the glory of God my aim. So when it comes to our giftings, we often need to serve in different capacities within the context of the local church to even be able to identify, you know, whatever manifestation of the spirit that God has given you. And Mm -hmm. so that leads us to another benefit of just engaging in a local church, being a part of a local church. And that's Christian fellowship. And Mm, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, just serving alongside others and going deeper. Mm -hmm. And I will say on a personal note that the people that I have served alongside, like shoulder to shoulder, those are the people that I would say know me best. Mm, And people that I prayed with, those are the people that know me, the real me. And I think back to the Ephesians passage that you read earlier, Joanna, on, I think it was verse 15 that says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Yeah. And this just implies the idea of fellowship for accountability and growth. 
Um, Mm. We need each other to speak truth um, to one another and to identify sin patterns. Like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can notice the speck in someone else's eye and not even see the log in my own eye. Mm. And so we need our sisters in Christ to, you know, point that out in love. And Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And I love this because this word admonish here in the Greek basically means to put sense into someone in light of the consequences. Hmm. And that's what we need to do for each other. I need that. Hmm. (laughs) Um, Accountability is a gift. Admonishment is not negative. It could be um, for our good and his glory. And when we're not living according to the word and when we're not using our gifts for the edification of the body, we need to admonish one another lovingly for the glory of God. So accountability is super important and it's for our good and his glory. Yeah. And, you know, I think some people might be thinking like, cool. Yeah, I get it. Accountability. Why can't I just have an accountability group of like five friends that meet at a coffee shop once a week? Like, why does it have to be? part of a local church? Mm, Good question. There are so many reasons. (laughs) And you know, one of them that we already mentioned as upward, but now we're going to look at as looking inward is the preaching of the word. And it looks inward because it is for the sake of our edification. Yeah. So if you look at verse 14 of that Ephesians passage. It says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. And so as we hear the word of God preached, we begin to um, to understand what is true. Yeah. Um, we And then we can also discern what is not true, right? We can discern what it is that comes against us. And, you know, as we are doing this in the context of the local church, we are able to learn together mm-hmm. and grow together mm-hmm. and be unified together. And then we can help protect each other mm-hmm. and call yeah. each other back to the truth if we are wandering away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so our sanctification takes place through the preaching of the word. And here's the thing. Yes, we can read the word with our friends. Yes, we can study the word on our own. And we absolutely should. But we also need to sit under the preaching of someone that God has gifted to preach and establish to shepherd a local body of sheep, Mm -hmm. right? A local body of believers, someone who has been ordained or recognized to do this and who has this God-given authority Mm -hmm. to preach the word. This is so important. Um, And why not then just do that online, right? Why not just watch a ordained pastor preach from our laptops or from our phones live streamed? Well, here's the thing. We need to sit under a pastor who knows us and is involved with the lives of the local body of believers, who knows the struggle that we are facing, Mm -hmm. who not only can teach us from the word of God, but who can also look at our lives and be involved in our lives and lovingly call us to truth. That does not happen via a screen. Yeah. You know, there is an important personal relational aspect 
to shepherding the people of God, um, which pastors are called to. And they are called to for our good. And we are called to submit to that authority and to that teaching for our good and for the good of the body of believers. Right. In Ephesians 4, that passage clearly states that God gives the church shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So this was God's design and intention for the church. And we don't want to go outside of that and think that we can function as intended. Right. And we need pastors because they are given the command to feed the flock, right? In John 21, 15, this is when Jesus tells Peter three times to feed his sheep. And this feeding is through the teaching and preaching of the word. Mm. So these pastors are the ones who um, have the responsibility to rightly handle the word of truth, as it says in 2 Timothy 2.15. And not only that, they're called to teach and help the flock to do the same. So super Mm. important to have that, um, just that interaction with your shepherd. Yeah, absolutely. And it is for our good to, to sit under the teaching and the leadership of the local shepherd, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we do that, God has so ordered and established pastors and what scripture sometimes calls elders in such a way that as we are under their teaching and their authority, we are ultimately under the authority of God. Exactly. And I think about in first Peter chapter five, where Peter is speaking to elders and he's saying, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ on and on and on shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight. Mm. And it goes on to explain how they are to shepherd the sheep. And then in verse four, it says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so there is a chief shepherd, Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ, over these shepherds. And so when we are submitting ourselves to the local shepherd, right? The (laughs) pastor of our local church. Right. We're not submitting ourselves just to some kind of human authority, but to authority that has been established by God. And this is for our protection. Yeah. Mm, Love that. And so along these same lines of this idea of fellowship, I think that one amazing gift that we have in fellowship with believers is that we get to share each other's joys and burdens. Yeah. You know, I think about first Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. Uh, It says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Mm -hmm. And man, that just shows us that we are not supposed to do this alone. Yeah. Right. When, when you are experiencing pain and hardship and loss and need you're not supposed to walk that alone but we're supposed to walk that with our brothers and sisters in christ alongside of the of us Mm -hmm. right when we have experienced this wonderful news this joy in our lives we rejoice with those who are also members of the same body We really, we aren't supposed to do any of this alone, Mm -hmm. but here's the thing. How can we share each other's burdens if we don't know each other, if we aren't together, Mm. right? We have to be not just an attendee of a local church, but an active participant 
in a local church if we are going to do this. I know that I, in the past, have had the tendency to slip into church and to slip out the door before everybody else stands up, mm-hmm. you know, to to kind of come and sit and observe and leave. And I can tell you when I have done that, I have lacked the community and the fellowship of God's people. Yeah. And I have missed out on sharing my burdens with those around me um, and rejoicing with the body of Christ and seeing the work that God's doing in his people. We miss out on the work that God's doing in his people. And so I don't think that the purpose of the local church is just for us to show up, get fed, as we like to say, hear something that's going to encourage us and leave. Mm -hmm. Um, And the local church goes way beyond Sunday morning. But the purpose of the local church, one of the many purposes, is that we are to be living life with one another and bearing each other's burdens. Yeah, I confess I've done the same thing in the past too. And and those were the times when I would get disgruntled because, you know, I would feel disconnected from the church, but I would blame mm. the church or find some fault in it. Mm. Nobody came up to me and said hello. Exactly. Um, yeah. But like you said, in order to feel connected to the body, in order to share in one another's joys and burdens, we need to connect and share and invest our, our time and our heart. And and yeah, that might mean going through the uncomfortable phase. I remember mm-hmm. I used to hate the the part in the service where you had to like shake hands and, and talk to people. <laughs> yeah. You um, know, our church does that for at least two minutes every Sunday. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> There's no escaping it. There's no escape. <laughs> but yeah, the more you engage and the more you are vulnerable, man, there is just richness there. And there's just Mm -hmm. this opportunity to grow deeper and your joy will just be magnified. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. Like, I think it's important for us to acknowledge this isn't just like an easy thing to do. Mm -mm. It's hard to put yourself out there in a way. And it's hard to invest. Like, I know that the greeting time isn't the extent of where we do it, but it's kind of like a good picture yeah. Of this this idea. <laughs> and I will be honest, there are some days when I think this sounds like a good time for a bathroom break <laughs> or to refill my coffee. And it just reminds me that, hey, is this my tendency when it comes to knowing my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Like, yeah. am I am I holding back? Am I kind of guarding myself here? Mm -hmm. I just want to say like, we know that it's hard. (laughs) It is not easy to be vulnerable. It's not easy to step out and share your life with someone, Yeah, Um, but it's worth it. And it's what Christ calls us to, and it's for our good. Yeah. And I think this conversation is helpful because if we just keep focus on the purpose that God has for the local church, then we're going to um, put our preferences aside mm-hmm. and and be able to kind of rub shoulders with people that we normally wouldn't um, just because we're seeing um, the beauty in the local church. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think this is a good time to kind of talk broadly about um, just the importance um, of church membership, why it's mm-hmm. needed and why it's valuable. And this might be kind of a foreign thing to a lot of people. I know statistically church membership is dramatically decreasing, but Hmm. it's really important because 
we follow Jesus with other people. And and that's just the way that he set it up. Back to the sheep metaphor. Um, Mm. Sheeps don't journey alone, right? A sheep is part of a flock. And scripture doesn't explicitly command formal church membership. However, church membership has a biblical foundation and it is seen throughout the New Testament. And we can look at the early church in the New Testament as our example, right? So someone's personal commitment to follow Christ um, in the early church was deeply connected to their commitment to a local assembly. It was Mm. inseparable. And, And that's how it should be for us. And broadly speaking, church membership simply symbolizes this deep commitment to a body of believers and the submission to those in authority that God has placed over that flock, like the pastor and elders. And we can have an entire episode on this, but we just wanted to broadly touch on the beauty of church membership and how that supports um, just covenant community. And, you know, I think to wrap up this portion of our conversation about the church looking in, um, it's important to reiterate what we kind of touched on a little bit before, Mm -hmm. and that's the importance of church authority. You know, part of a church is that there is some sort of leadership and authority structure. And in scripture, we see that our God of order calls for order in our relationships within the body of Christ and within the local church. So like, for example, the book of Titus as a whole has a ton to say about the way that a local church should have this authority structure. Yeah. In Titus 1.5, it says, this is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. And so we see from the beginning this need for there to be an order in the churches and these authority structures, these leaders. And what we see throughout the book of Titus is that the purpose of all of this authority, whether it be church leaders or other types of authority among different kinds of relationships, the purpose for all of it is for our protection. Right. And ultimately, the purpose of it is to call us back to the truth of God's word. Right. The reason that Titus calls for elders who meet all of these qualifications is so that they can approve what is sound teaching and sound doctrine, and that when people wander away from the truth of God's word, that they can be led back in authority, right? This leadership that calls them back to make sure we're not wandering off and being led astray into these lies and deceitful teachings. We talk about shepherding the sheep. That happens to sheep sometimes. They wander off. The (laughs) shepherd goes after them and pulls them back, brings them back into the fold. This is another reason why church membership, I think, is really important, like you were mentioning before, Stephanie, because when we become members of a local church, then we are submitting ourselves to the authority of the leadership over us, Mm -hmm. which means that we are agreeing that we are submitting ourselves to church discipline Mm -hmm. if we should wander off if we should go astray and you know we kind of push back against that idea of church discipline i think Mm -hmm. and authority and submission 
but this is really for our good. Right. You know, if we are living in some kind of sin that leads to destruction, Mm -hmm. this is saying that we are submitting to the church to come and to call us out and to bring us back into the will of God of sanctification for our lives so that we can be walking in obedience and the fruit of that, right? Which is life. Yeah. Um, This means that if someone in the church is sinning against us, that we can depend on the church leadership to intercede and to mediate and to to call that person to repentance and to um, help us to reconcile the relationship. And so church discipline is a good thing that's for our protection. It's for the good of the body and for all of our growth as we grow up into Christ, who is the head of the body. Yeah. And I even think of Matthew 18, with which is a helpful model for resolving conflict, right? With a fellow brother right. or sister. And in Matthew 18, it says in verse 17, if he doesn't pay attention to them, meaning like the witnesses that you take, tell the church. And this is the local church and this authority structure and membership. And it's all for our good to bring about reconciliation, mm-hmm. um, which is the ministry that we have, right? We want the church to um, steward this ministry of reconciliation. And that begins by being reconciled to one another within the body. Um, mm-hmm. So it's for our good, I guess, is what we're, we're, what we're saying. Like submission is not a bad thing. And I also think of Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, um, when I just think about the church's purpose of discipleship and, and all of that. And it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not mm-hmm. giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Each of us will have to give an account for whether or not we gathered together weekly and spurred one another on toward love and good deeds. And um, if we encouraged one another and if we stewarded our gifts for his glory and, and, and so much more. Yeah, I love that passage. It's such an important reminder of why we need to be meeting together, right? Not just doing this for our own, but meeting together as the body of Christ. And I love, you know, a few verses earlier in Hebrews three thirteen. It says, exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so it's not just this thing we do on Sundays, but the local church gathering, it extends out into all of our lives as we encourage and exhort one another every single day. Yeah, I love that. It's Doing soul care for each other, I think, is what Mm -hmm. I've heard. I think John Piper has said that, you know, we need each other every single day for that soul care of protecting each other from the deceitfulness that we're all susceptible to. Right. So going on to our next section, the purpose of the church is to also look outward. And, you know, God invites his people to join him in his mission by proclaiming the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I love this quote from J.D. Greer. He said, without the mission, a church is not a church. It's just a group of disobedient Christians hanging out. Hmm. And I love this. It's saying what this mission is, is to spread the gospel for the glory of Hmm. God. And this is why God established the church for the display of his glory. Yeah. And as the church, 
as a whole and specifically as local bodies of believers, we can put the gospel on display. We can put God's glory on display, like you said, Stephanie. And, you know, one way that we do this is even just as we grow together in sanctification Mm -hmm. and we see that the fruit in our lives changes, right? That we begin to produce this fruit of the spirit. And that's going to look really bizarre to the outside world as they look in. And, you know, I think sometimes there's this tendency to see like one person who's living differently and think, oh, they're just kind of an anomaly, right? They're the saint. They're the super nice person who was born with all the nice genes, right? But when you see an entire local church that are coming around one mission, that an entire group of people who are gathering around this truth have lives that are changed and lives that look different and lives that produce good fruit, like that is, that authenticates the gospel. And I think the most defining characteristic we can say is love. Um, Jesus says in John 13, 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just Mm -hmm. as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So love is part of looking in because love is the distinguishing characteristic of discipleship. And Mm -hmm. it's also a way for the world to see Jesus. Because like this verse says, we're supposed to love as Jesus loved. And, And that's a sacrificial kind of love like That is, like you said, a testimony that cannot be denied. Mm -hmm. And especially in our culture that is so focused on self, like this is absolutely countercultural. And I think it's especially noticeable when this kind of love is seen within the church because a lot of times the churches where there are a bunch of different people that normally would not be seen together, right? Mm -hmm. And so... When these people that really have seemingly no reason to hang out and do life together are bound by love, sacrificial love, like Mm -hmm. that is going to um, bring attention. But believers who are united to Christ are united to one another. And like we said, the spiritual gifts are for unity within the body. All of this unity within diversity reflects the unity within the diversity of the Trinity. And I think that's just so beautiful. We need each other. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, and that's that's a way for the world um, to see Christ. Because, man, mm. if I'm doing life with someone I would never associate with, but our common denominator is Jesus and our union with Christ, that's huge. And you know, Joanna, you mentioned um, the high priestly prayer um, in John 17. And I just wanted to read verses 20 to 23. And this is Jesus praying. And he prays that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. So our unity is a testimony um, for Jesus and and it could bring glory. That is one way, this unity and diversity that the local church can put the gospel on display. Yeah, you're right. Like we are 
marked as believers by our love for one another. And that kind of family is attractive. Yeah. You know, that's something that people see and see the beauty of and want to be a part of something like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Scripture repeatedly emphasizes this kind of love for those within our churches, those fellow believers. But, you know, we're also called to do the same for those outside of our Christian community, to mm -hmm. love them as well. So I think about James chapter 1, verse 27. It says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And so this is this emphasis on loving those around us, um, mm -hmm. even those outside the church. And, you know, the widows and orphans in this verse, they were marginalized. They were the lowliest in society, mm -hmm. um, often overlooked, incredibly vulnerable. And so we have to ask ourselves, like, who are those among us yeah. that we as the church are called to love and to serve and to care for? So who are those, the vulnerable, the marginalized, the overlooked, the lowly? You know, orphans and widows definitely are in that category. Mm -hmm. I also think about children in foster care, yeah, um, the homeless community, the unborn, immigrants, refugees, people with physical or mental disabilities. I even think about like the socially awkward who <laughs> end up being marginalized, yeah. um, even in our churches, um, those who are lonely the elderly, right? We are called to take care of these people, to love these people, and to be the ones who, as believers, to be the ones who are reaching out to provide for them and to care for them. And this happens in the context of our local churches. Yeah, I definitely do see how, you know, the love within the local church, the sacrificial love, you know, overflows to the community, right? Mm -hmm. And we talked about, um, glorification in our order of salvation episode and how, you know, when we fix our eyes on eternity and this glorification, like we can live with open hands and we can live generously because we see the future. And in that we have so much hope, we have a living hope now, but we have um, our future glorification to look forward to. And so, um, so yeah, the church should be um, the place where there are so many living with open hands for the marginalized, mm. like you said. And, you know, no matter how much we help our neighbors in whatever capacity, the church also has um, the responsibility to proclaim the gospel. And, and you know what? That requires um, putting real words to it. And this is really important because eternity is at stake. And there is this future beyond death. And, you know, many of us are familiar with Matthew 28, 19 to 20, which is the Great Commission. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so we have to proclaim the gospel message so that our neighbors and the world knows that Jesus is the son of God, the Messiah, and that they can have life in his name by believing. Yeah, that is so important to remember that, you know, salvation comes only after we have heard the gospel. Right. Um, and so we can't neglect to proclaim that message. And I think that on the flip side of that, 
we can sometimes view evangelism as the primary purpose of the church. And it is a huge part of the church's mission and is definitely a part of our purpose. But when we make that the primary purpose of the church, instead of, you know, glorifying God, then that can give us a some issues. Um, And I think that one thing that we can kind of see is this tendency to want to do whatever we can to get people to come to the church, you know, want to do whatever we can to bring in non-believers that they will be saved. And, you know, that's a wonderful thing to want people who don't believe Mm -hmm. to come to the church. I think that's a great, that's, that's a great desire to have, but the danger happens when we begin to try and maybe soften what God's word says, mm-hmm. um, when we try to embellish scripture in order to be attractive to those who do not believe, yeah. when maybe we avoid preaching on anything that might be controversial yeah. or that might be offensive to some. Right. And so we end up like editing scripture or what can happen is we kind of just don't really base our messages on scripture at all anymore. We just kind of use scripture to support our points. Mm. Right. And so that becomes really dangerous because we have to be churches that are centered around the teaching of God's word, no matter what God's word says, right. He's the one who decides what he wants to reveal to people, we don't get to edit what he has given us in his word. Yeah. I think that that can become a little bit of a danger there if we aren't careful. Yeah. And I think if we, as the church, like cater so much to unbelievers because we want to fill our pews, then there's also the danger of the church becoming influenced by the world. And, and that diminishes, you know, the church's influence on the world. And something Mm -hmm. my husband says that I really like is you're either going to be influencing culture or the culture is going to be influencing you. And I think it's true that, you know, there's always going to be this ongoing debate of what is true and what is the right way. And, you know, we want to engage our culture, but we don't want to compromise the gospel or cheapen um, grace or cheapen the gospel. And Russell Moore wrote a a really helpful book on this called Onward, Engaging the Culture Without Losing the Gospel. And we'll link that in our Mm. show notes. But one thing I really like that he says in the book is a church that loses its its distinctiveness is a church that has nothing distinctive with which to engage the culture. A worldly Mm. church is of no good to the world. So Yeah, we don't need to hold back. There's power in the word of God and there's life in the word of God. Yeah, so we can see then that part of the purpose of the church is that it looks out. It looks out to a world in need of the gospel, in need of the truth. Mm -hmm. As we present the word of God and let God work through it and let God work in the hearts of those around us. And so, you know, we've looked at how the church looks up, in, and out. And, you know, for a lot of you listening, it might be the case that you aren't currently involved in a church. And my encouragement to you would be 
find one. (laughs) Get involved in a local church. And even if you are in a transient season of life, like maybe you're a college student or, you know, Stephanie, I know you've experienced this with being an army wife and moving frequently. Yeah. Um, I will say when I was in college, one regret that I have is that I wish I had plugged into a church sooner Mm -hmm. and more consistently. Yeah. And I don't think I fully understood the need to be involved in a local church and um, you know, God's grace was there with me in the midst of that. Um, but I really think that it is so important, no matter what season you're in, no matter how long you're going to be in a place to become an active part of a local body of believers. Yeah. Um, and you know, as you're looking for a church, do things like look on their church website, read their belief statements, um, see, are their teachings biblical? Do the things that they say that they believe in, do they align with like historic creeds of the church even, like the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, right? Look to these things to see, are they biblically sound? Um, Maybe go and visit and listen to the teaching, right? Is the pastor teaching from scripture, right? Is he faithfully I'm preaching from the word of God. Look and see, are there ways to become involved in community there? You know, Are there ways for you to plug in with small groups or community groups or some kind of discipleship, yeah. mentorship program, right? You need to find a way that you can serve and become involved. And, you know, Stephanie, you were telling me about the Gospel Coalition's church directory, mm-hmm. um, which is this directory um, where churches can add themselves to the directory if they are kind of saying, hey, we kind of align with what the Gospel Coalition believes and teaches. And so it's mm-hmm. important to note, I don't think that they vet those individual churches, but that may mm-hmm. be a good starting point. Yeah. But I would say if you are in a new area or if you're in your same area and you just have not gotten involved in a church yet, Mm-hmm. Definitely ask trusted friends or spiritual mentors if they have any suggestions for places that you can become a part of a local body. Um, if you move to a new city, ask your previous pastor yeah. from your last city. A lot of times they'll have connections um, in different states, um, different parts of the U.S., different cities, whatever it may be. Yeah, and being an army family that moves every two to three years, I mm-hmm. totally sympathize if you're in a state of transition or whatever it is, because it can mm-hmm. be hard. But whatever um, amount of time you're going to be at a place, um, plug in and even go through the membership process because mm-hmm. you want that covenant relationship and that covenant community and that commitment with one another Um No matter how long you're going to stay there or or whatever season of life you're in, you want that community. So don't shy away, but it'll be worth it. And and yeah, so hopefully this conversation was helpful in giving you a glimpse of what God intended for the local church. And, you know, as always, we highly recommend that you um, personally go to God's word and study what he has to say about the church. And, you know, if you're looking for a... um, Another helpful resource, um, Dr. Mark Dever has written a ton on marks of what makes a healthy church, and his ministry mm-hmm. is called Nine Marks. So definitely go um, check him out. But let us not forget that Jesus loves the church. He died for his people, and he gave us the Holy Spirit to help us better image him in our world 
as the body of believers to put the gospel on display. It was a costly grace and and Jesus died for the church and he loves the church. So may that encourage you as you go forward. Amen. Yeah. And if you know someone who maybe could benefit from this conversation, maybe someone who is struggling to become involved, maybe someone who needs a fresh vision for the local church, maybe Mm -hmm. someone who's been hurt in their local church context, we would just love to invite you to share this episode with them. And, you know, sharing the podcast is one of the best ways um, to get it in the earbuds of other women. Yeah. Um, And so if it's been helpful to you and you think that someone else would benefit from it, we would love to invite you just to share this with them. Um, And, you know, as always, our show notes are available on our website, dailygracepodcast.com. And we are so excited to join you once again next Tuesday. 